Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. I cannot even tell you how excited I am about this episode. Today, we are talking to Becky, one of my students from Neurodivergent Magic, and we are talking all about accommodations, which is just such such a hot topic right now in general, but it's an important topic always, because I think a lot of neurodivergent people, which Becky and I will get into this, but a lot of neurodivergent people try to cope with their differences by trying to not be different. Uh, by trying to pretend to be neurotypical, when in reality, the best way to cope with differences is to embrace them, to accept them, and to accommodate them. And if you're wondering, okay, how the heck do I do that without getting fired? Becky is an invaluable resource. So I, I cannot wait for you to hear everything she has to say. So let's just dive on into it. Hi, Becky. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Megan? I am also good. Thanks for asking. So today I thought we could just talk a little bit about um, your neurodivergent brain and the accommodations that you have um, worked with over the years um, to just accommodate your neurodivergence and stuff like that. So why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about your brain and about yourself? (laughs) Okay. So um, at age six, um, my teacher noticed that there was something wrong. And so they started putting me into, it's called the reading room and the math room because I couldn't read. I couldn't do math at all. I didn't learn to read until I was in third grade because I just, it just wouldn't connect. Mm -hmm. And my mom kept asking like, what should we do? Like, and, and, and she never was given an answer. And like, looking back now, I'm like, tell her to go see a psychiatrist. I mean, something, And I really didn't get any accommodations or anything done for me until college. And it was constantly trying to figure out ways that I could make things work. And so it was always, um, I was always in remedial classes and stuff. And I, I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, I get it. I can do this stuff, but I could never get good grades for the life of me. Could never get good grades until I got into high school. And my, when my teachers was like, Hey, I don't know why you're in these classes. You're really smart. And it was like a click in my brain. Like I am really smart. Why am I in these classes? And then I had three other teachers say that to me. And so at that point I was like, so what can we do? What do I need to do to help myself? Because my brother was put on Ritalin. My brother was being taken care of. And for some reason they figured because I was in high school that I didn't need it. So it was, it was, it was just a really weird experience for me. So, um, I joined the soccer team and I noticed when I was, you know, when you have that burst of adrenaline and stuff that helped, it helped me feel really good about myself. It helped me concentrate. And so I, um, I played sports all through high school. Um, and then when I got into college, um, I saw the counselor there and, they, they figured out that I was ADHD, but, um, I didn't have insurance anymore. So they're like, well, since we can't get you medication, cause you can't afford it, let's sign you up for all these PE classes. So I did four PE classes every single day 
to keep <laughs> the adrenaline going so I can make it through classes. So that, that's where it started. And then um, I got, I got married when I was 26 and my husband is the chair of the film department at his college. So I got to go to school for free. And when I went there, they had a school psychi um, psychiatrist. And so when, um, when I went there, I was finally medicated. And um, it, was, it was a totally, such a different experience. Like all of a sudden things were clicking and things like the brain calmed down. And so I'm always like, oh, medication's amazing. Like, I know a lot of people, you know, there's a whole thing right now, like where you can, you can control ADHD on your own and all that kind of thing. And, and once I got on medication, once I started seeing a therapist, my life started coming together. And then that's when I felt that I could ask for accommodations because you don't know what accommodations to ask for. You don't know what to do with yourself until you kind of have people behind you helping you. And my therapist is like, look, if you can't handle, um, you know, people telling you things and you need to see it visually, then they need to accommodate you. They need to make those adjustments for you. And so I, I asked for that adjustment and all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, they said yes to that. So how about like weekly meetings so that I know what I'm missing? What am I missing today? Okay. So I'll, I'll write down my questions and stuff. And we have weekly meetings now. Um, it used to be, I, I make PowerPoint presentations um, for my company and I would get yelled at constantly. Like all these things are wrong. All these things are wrong. Well, then why don't we have proofers? Why don't we have people going through this stuff and marking our, the things that are bad? Like you can't do that on your own. So now we have proofing and then, and then things were still going out. Not right. And I'm like, well, then why don't we have a reproof? So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of looking at your world and figuring out how, how am I in this world and what's not working right for me? And then asking for things to make it so that you can be in that world and, and make things work for you. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's really odd that the 19 years I've worked there only in the last maybe 10 years, maybe I've been finally able to ask for things. Mm -hmm. And I think my work output is a lot better now. They know not to give me too many things. Like I'll just straight out say, I can't, I can't. And they're like, okay, that's fine. We'll give you what you can do. So it's, it's being treated as a human being now, instead of being yelled at constantly. And, and I know people with ADHD are getting yelled at all the time, just because, you know, why are you spacing out? Why are you not getting these things done? Why is it taking so long for you to get started? Like that sort of thing. And, um, I've had lots and lots of conversations with, um, people in my church about this, uh, my company about this in my family. Like I've, I've had conversations with everybody because I'm finally able to kind of put down that mask, kind of the stuff that we we've talked about before um, and just vocalize it. So I've gotten right. to a point where I can vocalize it. I can be me. I am me. I'm not going to change. I can do a billion different things to try to be like everybody else is not going to happen. So now it's, it's embracing myself and asking for, for those things, those accommodations in every day, in everyday life, in every aspect of my life, not just work in every aspect, I ask for accommodations. 
Right. So I know you mentioned medication. I, I, some people see that as like an accommodation, basically. Um, it is. Yeah. So I know you mentioned a com- uh, medication, visual aids, um, weekly meetings. What are some of the accommodations that you have just in like your daily life? Uh, it's, it's the, don't come at me just talking. Because, <laughs> it's, I mean, no, I, ha- I mean, it happens in everybody's lives. And then I'm like, what, 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 wait, wait, what? And then, and then they'll just repeat themselves. But then it's like, no, hold on a second say what you want me to know don't walk away as you're saying it to me because this happens to me all the time and then I'm like I, I don't have a hearing problem but that's what I feel like because mm-hmm. I never can hear what's going on so I'm always like stop I said what repeat yourself so that's one that's <laughs> that's a constant or um asking me to do things well write it down so I can see it because if you if you ask me to do something I will not remember to do it Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really bad that my, um, my insurance wouldn't, um, grant us access to medication for my kids. And so I was supposed to call the psychiatrist and have them call the, the pharmacy and the insurance and all this stuff because I was told to do it. I forgot it just because, you know, it was a little overwhelming. So I'm like, I will do this later. And I totally, I forgot. And my daughter this morning was like, Hey, you know, it's been like a month and I haven't had my meds. Can, is there any way that you can go? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's yeah. like, write these things down. Send me a text. So everybody texts me things that they need. If you text it to me, I will remember. So it's those kind of accommodations in everyday life. You know, Which getting honestly make things better for other people in our lives as well. Like they get the things that they need when they help accommodate our needs and it's it just it's better for everybody yeah and then and then I have um I have calendar alerts set up now Mm -hmm. that's another thing is like if if I have appointments because I'm I have time (laughs) I have no concept of time whatsoever if I don't have alarms going off I I will go throughout the day I will forget to pick up my kids from school happens every single day I have an alarm that goes off so that I remember to pick up my kids from school. I have an alarm going off to um, make sure that I get up in the morning to start work. I mean, everything is alarmed. I have an alarm for everything. I have different sounding alarms. I have different sounding um, ringtones for people calling in. So I know exactly what mode to get into when they're calling me. It's, I mean, (laughs) I accommodate myself, but these are the things that help me function. And I mean, at first I was like, this is ridiculous that I have to program my whole life so that I can function, but I'm at a point now that makes it easier. And the whole point is making it easier, easier for ourselves. So that's, that's like a main thing is the calendar, the, um, the timers, all of that stuff. Those, those are main things that help me function during the day. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you touched on there at the end where you're saying, you're at a point in your life now where you are, you're not focused on becoming someone that you're not, you're not focused on becoming neurotypical magically overnight. Uh, and instead you are focused on working with the neurodivergent brain that you have. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, that's, and that, that was the main thing that we learned in your neurodivergent magic was being ourselves, being who we are because we're not neurotypical. We'll never be neurotypical. It's impossible for us to be neurotypical. 
There's nothing that we can do that will make us that way. And we are brilliant, beautiful people. We just think differently. We're like our own little race. <laughs> We're our own species. And I like this. I like being who I am. I have brilliant ideas and I have things that get me excited and like, I want to do awesome, amazing things. And it's just finding things that help us stay focused. And, and so we can do those amazing things. Right. Exactly. Okay. So let's say there's somebody listening and they know they need accommodations at work, but they are so terrified that they're going to bring up accommodations and get fired. Like what, do you have any advice for them or any like words of comfort or anything like that? So a main thing that I have found, and if you don't ask, you won't receive. And the only thing they can say to you is no. So just know, I mean, it's okay to ask. It's okay. Your boss is asking you to do things. Why can't you ask something of your boss? So I you want me to that. do this? I mean, it's this, I mean, it is. It's you want me to do this 60 page presentation? Well, then I need you to write out exactly what you need done. I need visuals of what you are thinking you want put into that presentation. And um, I need a time frame. So these are things you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you, need, you need to know like, okay, these are my, I can't think of the word. Um, these are things that I struggle with. So what do I need to ask so that I can get that presentation done or my work done? What do I need? And so if they ask you to do something, you can in return ask for something back. And even though you're working for them, you can still ask that. It's, it's, it's a give and take. And every, I mean, I've, I don't think I've had a job where I haven't asked my boss things. So I, it's, you're not gonna get in trouble if you ask for things. The only thing they can say to you is no. And you're not getting in trouble, it's just a no. And if, if it's something that you really, really need, you can just say to them, like, look, I am struggling at my job. And if you can give me these couple of things, I think I can, I can do a lot better at what I'm doing. So I, I don't, I don't see, I know it's scary because like I said, it was 10 years before I asked for anything. Cause I thought I was going to get fired and I was constantly feeling like I was going to get fired. And when I, once I asked for those accommodations, like I said, my workflow got a lot better. Things started going out a lot better. It wasn't, um, there wasn't as much getting yelled at. So, I mean, overall asking for the things you need makes your life easier, makes you want to go to work, makes you enjoy your job and your employers will like you a lot better too. So it's, it's a, it's a beautiful package once you get those things that you need to accomplish the goals that you have set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of this struggle to ask for accommodations is it comes from this idea where like, in order to ask for accommodations, you have to accept the fact that you do have limitations. Mm -hmm. And that is really overwhelming and scary because it's like, no, no, no. If I just work hard enough, then I have no limitations. I can do anything I set my mind to, right? That's what everybody said. And you can, you can do anything you set your mind to with the right accommodations, not with sheer willpower and force of will, you know, like, well, and that's kind of the neurodivergent attitude is we can do whatever we, we can do everything. 
you give me this project and I will work through the night. I will work 25 hours and I will get this done for you because I've done it. I've worked day on day in, day out, not sleeping for three days. I have done that. And then I'm a hot mess and my project looks like garbage because I thought, oh, I told him I could get this done by tomorrow. Why the heck would I say that? <laughs> but but we, we take on more than we can do. We do it all the time. All my neurodivergent friends do the same exact thing. Like I see them all doing the same exact thing. And, and it is, we set too high of goals for ourselves. We think we can do way more than we can. And we outwork most people. We work and work and work until we die. I mean, that's just because we feel that that's the only thing that gives us value. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case. We work harder than most of the people in our, in our jobs. We all do because we feel that's what gives us value so that we have, so we're like, we're going to prove to everybody that we're amazing. So we're going to work nonstop 24 seven and not give any time to ourselves for anything because that's what, that's what we think value is, is how hard we work because that's what we've been told since we were little kids. Why aren't you trying harder? Why aren't you working harder? You should be working your dang this to get this done. Like, I don't understand. I mean, all our parents said that to us because they didn't understand our brains. They didn't understand it takes us a while to get started. It takes us a while to process what we're going to do before we can get started. So all they see is a kid sitting there staring off into space. And so we're being yelled at constantly. You're so lazy. You need to get started. Why aren't you doing your work? I don't understand why you can't get this done. So when you're, <laughs> when you have that your whole life and then you go into the workplace, you're now doing that to yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't hear your boss saying that to you. Your boss doesn't say that to you unless you haven't done what you need to do. But, um, it's usually ourselves saying that to us. And so it's, <laughs> it's, it's that attitude that causes us not to ask for accommodations. It's that that feeling inside that now our value is going to be diminished if we ask for accommodations. We're not going to be as valuable if we have to have accommodations made for us. Which and it turns out it's the complete opposite, right? Like once you get exactly. the accommodations that you need, you actually become much more valuable to your team because you are able to work with your unique strengths and have your unique weaknesses accommodated for. It helps exactly. everyone. Exactly. And then you shine and then everyone's like, wow, they are really amazing. So it's like, so I mean, and, and so the listeners need to know, like, you are valued. You are a valuable person, no matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter. You are as a person, very valuable. And to make you a valuable person, to make you exceed, accommodations need to be made so that you can. Mm -hmm. So you can get outside of your little caged box because that's silly. We don't need to be caged in. We do not need to be jailed in this little square box where we can't exceed, where we can't do those things that we need to do because we're limited. And we don't. And we if don't. we're being honest, every human being has limitations. It's just oh, that neurodivergent people have very specific limitations. And exactly. just because ours are different doesn't mean they're somehow worse. No, no. I know if you, if you just sit down in your workplace and you start asking people questions, you'll hear it. Mm -hmm. You'll hear everybody else's limitations. Like that used to be my favorite. I mean, I love asking questions. I used to go into work and I'm sure people were so sick of me asking questions. 
I got a degree in documentary film because I liked asking questions. <laughs> My husband's like, you're not doing anything with that. I'm like, yeah, but now I know how to ask questions. So it's, if you just take the time and, and that's like a huge thing too, for us, um, is to kind of step out of yourself and listen to other people. And it kind of connects you and I'm not alone. Other people have limitations. Other people have things that they can't do without help. And so if they, if they are asking for accommodations or they're getting help with things, I have every right to also. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's, you, you just ask, just ask the people around you or, or watch. I mean, I, I used to watch people all the time too and see, oh, they're getting help with that. So I know I can, I can go ask for help with that. Or I, I see that they're taking time off because, you know, emotionally they just can't handle it right now. So then I know I can do that too. So, I mean, that, that, that was a big learning point for me too, is just watching people listening. <laughs> it's just very observant. And I know we all do it. We like kind of observe what's going around us because that's how we're trying to be neurotypicals. We're watching everybody around us. Mm-hmm. So in that process, we should be listening too and seeing, oh, okay. So I can do this if I ask. I can do that if I ask. So it's a, it's a lot of that thing. So it's, you know, it, it, like I said, it took 10 years to ask for, for help. And, and when I finally did, they're like, why didn't you ask like a long time ago? And, and most people will get that response. They will get that response. Why didn't you ask a long time ago? You've been working here for forever. Why didn't you ask? Why, why wouldn't you want your life to be easier? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, we put these expectations on us that other people don't actually have, Mm -hmm. you know, we, and it it comes from, like you were saying, a lot of the stuff we get in childhood, like, why are you being so lazy? Why aren't you getting started? And so instead we overcompensate and try to be perfect. That way we can never be yelled at again. Uh, and it, it really doesn't work. Uh, we end up getting yelled at more because we take off, we bite off more than we can chew. And, and then it's we cyclical. Yeah. It's a cyclical thing that <laughs> you, you get so used to being yelled at all the time. And then you go into workplace and you're still getting yelled at. And it's like, okay, I guess that's my life. And then, and then at home with your partner, you're getting yelled at again because they're not understanding why the heck you're acting the way you are. So it's just, a lot of us need to break that cycle. We have to break that cycle. People need to know who we are, what our, what our strengths are. And, you know, if we can get the accommodations made, then those strengths can personify. They can, you know, get us through and, and make the workplace way better for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like we all have these, I mean, most everybody does has, have good, good ideas. So like, you know, when you're getting accommodations made, now you have this um, conversation going on with your boss. And then you can also then, you know, like if there's other adjustments you, you see in the workplace that everybody can, um, my words are just gone today. Um, everybody okay. can, <laughs> I was like, what's the word? Um, that everybody can benefit from, then, then say something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, if, if you know, if, if you see that like at three o'clock, everybody's dying and they haven't had a break, then ask. Can we just have all have a 15 minute powwow? Can we all just have a break? You know, it's not like, like I said, I asked, I'm like, can we have weekly meetings? Cause everything's getting lost in translation. 
mm-hmm. because I always, I always say a lot of things. And we talked about this before where nobody understands a word I'm saying. <laughs> and so I, I get so frustrated and I try repeating myself. I try saying it different ways. And um, like, there's a lady at work who, who has ADHD children. So then she understands what I'm saying. And then she says to the, to the boss, no, this is what she's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> it's always like, uh. <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, we, we also have to find people at work that can help us. Mm-hmm. That can be our champions. Cause sometimes we need a champion or somebody to help accommodate us. So, and, and most everybody has a person like that at work, unless you're just you and your boss at work, then that's, you need to make your boss your champion. But, um, we need to find that too. You need to find someone at work that can help you, that can express your, your needs. And, and, you know, if you're having a hard time saying, I need this, this, and this, then maybe having someone else that can go in with you to get those accommodations. So I think it's really interesting you brought that up because I was actually going to ask you if you had noticed a difference between when you were trying to get your own accommodations versus when you were being like your kids champion and helping get their accommodations. Huge. <laughs> yeah. What were super, those differences? Super different. Super different. So, um, and, and it was actually getting accommodations for my children that made me able to ask for accommodations for myself. So I actually got accommodations for them first. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I'm like, oh, well, if this, if this is like accepted in the school system, then I bet you this is accepted in the work system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's when I went to my supervisor and I'm like, hey, these are the things that are, that are happening with my children. Like, can I get a few of these things? I mean, there were small things. And then we just went from there. And like I said, I, I asked for a whole, I've asked for so many things and I've never been told no. I've never wow. been told no. So now, and, and every year they update my children's accommodations. Mm-hmm. So uh, my children both have a 504 and that's because they've been diagnosed through a psychiatrist. They both have ADHD and my um, oldest has anxiety and ADHD. So um, the only way to get a 504 is if you've been, um, if you have a, um, I just said it. diagnosed I'm sorry so the only way you can get a 504 is if you've been diagnosed gotcha yeah so and then from there then you have to also have um a teacher also say they're seeing seeing issues okay it's it's kind of a rigmarole to get it started Mm -hmm. um once they get to middle school high school it's actually easier to get a 504 but when they're in elementary school, the teacher has to see some kind of issue going on before you can get it. Okay. Yeah. Um, an IEP is the only one that you can get without being diagnosed. But gotcha. again, okay. the teacher has to say to the student count or to the school counselor or psychiatrist um, that there's an issue in class. You can't go in and say, I would like an IEP for my child. You can't do that. You have to go to the teacher and say, hey, I, I've noticed at home my child is doing this, this, and this. Are you noticing this in class? Mm-hmm. Because I, I'm noticing issues at home. I'd like something to happen so that we can make my child um, be able to function better. 
And so if the teacher brings that up to the principal, or it's actually usually the vice principals that are in charge of that in elementary school, they do all the mental health. Uh, so uh, they will bring that up with the vice principal and then they will set up with the school psychologist and they can't diagnose your child, but they can make accommodations for your child. Okay. Yeah. So if your child has not been diagnosed and you are seeing major issues and you can't afford to go see a psychiatrist, the way to do it is to go through your teacher. Okay. And that makes a lot of sense. So for you and your kids, you said they were diagnosed and then got the 504. So you didn't go through the teacher. You went through the psychiatrist, right? Yeah. Well, I had, um, my oldest Zoe was diagnosed and she was part of a trial drug that they were doing. And so I would take my youngest with me to her, um, to the trial sessions. And they would ask a ton of questions with all the kids. The kids would interact and my youngest would be in there and they're like, uh, she needs to join this too. She, she is absolutely ADHD. Like (laughs) she's actually worse than your oldest. And so we're like, oh, okay. So we got, we had free psychiatric care for a year because they were in that trial. Mm -hmm. And that was the, this psychiatrist is amazing and is impossible to get in with. And because he was running that trial, he's now their psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's another thing, you know, your, your listeners can look for are these trials. Like if you see issues like, oh, you know, they, they have them all the time. I see them all the time. They have behavioral um, studies. They have all of these studies done and those are always run by a psychiatrist. So, okay. yeah. So if you really, you know, if, if you're not having, a, uh, if you're not finding it easy to get an IEP at school, it might even be a good idea to go and try to do one of these studies because through the study, your child can get diagnosed and then you that's, can go the five-hour route because that's what we did. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I didn't consider that. So when you were getting your children, um, like assessed and treated through the trial and everything, and you were trying to come up with accommodations that would help them and stuff, did you have to come up with like, Oh, my child needs these accommodations or did you, did the school counselor say like, Oh, here, these are the accommodations we offer. Okay. So it's a little bit of both. Okay. (laughs) Um, and the teacher comes in too. So how they do it, it's, a, it's like the teacher comes in, you go in, and it's best to have both parents there mm-hmm. because my husband notices things I don't notice and I notice things he doesn't notice. And, uh, and then the vice principal is there with you too. So um, like back then, Zaffy um, had to go to the bathroom every 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so the teacher is like, can we make this an accommodation because I don't want her struggling, having to raise her hand and doing a dance so that she can use the bathroom. Can we make it that she can just run out and use the bathroom? So that's an accommodation that was made. And it was, it's funny because it was just brought up in our last accommodation meeting. And they're like, does she still need this? And I'm like, no, she's fine. That was like <laughs> something that was done when she was in second grade. So, um, so every year they update those accommodations and the counselor will come in and say, okay, so for middle school, we offer uh, math tutoring. We offer English tutoring. Um, your child can have an extra to two extra days to do their homework, um, testing if they need, we can put them in a separate room so they don't have people distracting them. Um, if they need extra help from the teacher, then, um, they have direct line to their email instead of trying to do the school system where it's like sent to the teacher. And then when the teacher gets a chance, connects with the child instead, it goes directly to their email, which is nice. 
Um, I have all the teachers' phone numbers if we're still having issues and we can't get a hold of the teacher. I have their phone number so I can contact them. Um, it's it's just giving. I mean, these these are the accommodations that they suggested. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I'm like, uh, my child has poor vision. Can I have her sit in uh, the first two rows in the classroom and, and to make sure she's right in front of the board so that she can see? So there's things that you know that the teachers don't know, that the vice principal is not going to know that your child needs. And right. so it, it's, it's so it, with all three people sitting there, the vice principal knows what they can do. The teacher knows what in the classroom they're having struggles with. And then you as a parent know the struggles your child is having. So it's, it's, it's usually an hour long conversation that happens. And then if there's anything else you're noticing, you can get those things updated throughout the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That sounds really powerful. And I think, um, I think a lot of children would benefit from accommodations, not only because they need them in the school setting, but also because I think if we get accommodations when we're young, it normalizes them in our brain. Like it makes sense that I need accommodations and it makes sense for me to ask for them. Like I am allowed to ask for what I need. Exactly. Yes. And so when they're in their workplace or at college or, you know, hanging out with friends, then they, then they don't feel bad asking like, Hey guys, you know, can, can we just chill for a second? Like there's just too much noise going on. Right. Like I, I just need to have a break by myself. It's not, it's not like kind of like, eh. <laughs> or, or you stop saying, you start saying no to people because you don't want to go hang out with them because it's just too noisy. You know, it's that sort of thing. So when we do this in school, like my, my, my kids right now don't have a problem. Um, my daughter doesn't go to a lot of parties because it stresses her out. And so her friends, I mean, she gets sad now because she doesn't get asked to a lot of parties anymore because at the beginning, she's like, it's just too much. It's just too much for me to go to parties. So she'll get invited to like sleepovers and stuff, but she doesn't get invited to the big parties, but it's just because her friends know. And, and she's like, Hey guys, why don't you ask me to parties anymore? They're like, you know what? We know that this stresses you out. So we're not trying to be we're not trying to block you from the parties and you're more than welcome to come to the parties. And if you hear about them, you are totally invited to come, but we know they stress you out. So your friends kind of also then start having your back. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, like friendship I said, accommodations are also totally a real thing. Like it's yeah. not just work in school, it's friendships, it's relationships. Like, yeah. Yep. So I also was wondering, so what is like one thing that you wish people knew about ADHD accommodations? So the main thing is, um, is the fact that you can get your child more time because I know with me, with my kids, it takes forever to get homework done. Mm -hmm. And so with these accommodations, like we can actually get our, all our homework done. And another thing, um, that we have for my children is they don't have to do the complete homework. Mm-hmm. If they just go, once they've worked an hour on the homework, they can stop. And that's an accommodation you can get. So it's, yeah. I mean, because most kids with neurodivergence will spend four to six hours working on homework. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. a neurotypical child is like two hours at the most. And so, I mean, and, and, and the counselor said that straight out. She's like, I do not want your child sitting in their bedroom being away from other fun activities and things, trying to do math homework and English homework. That's stupid. 
Like if they've, if they've worked an hour on English and an hour on math, then they're done. They're good. They're gone. You, you're just done. And we had to get also an accommodation made that. So even if they stop at that point, they don't get docked points mm-hmm. because that's just not fair. If you're telling her to stop at an hour and she's only done this amount of work, then she shouldn't be downgraded. Right. right. Yeah. So how have you found yeah. How have you found that those accommodations translate? Because I feel like a lot of people have concerns about high school and middle school accommodations because quote unquote, that's not how the real world works, but you are an adult with accommodations. So have you found that like, it is how the real world works or it is how the real world works. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's, uh, it was easier to get my kids accommodations in middle school and in high school. It was way easier than elementary school. And, and then translating that into the workplace. Like I said, I got them accommodations and then I'm like, Oh, if they can ask for that, then I can ask for this. And then I did. And again, that's how life is. We all ask for help. We all should be asking for help. It's okay. It's okay. We should all be able to get the help that we need. It's, I can't tell you how much that I is agree. the real world, people. That is the real world. We can't ask for help. Yes, I love that so, so, so much. Okay, I also was wondering if you uh, might share a little bit about your experience that you had in the. You mentioned it earlier in the neurodivergent magic uh, coaching program that you were a part of, um, like. What did you enjoy about the program? What did you get out of the program? Um, and for those of you listening who are like, what is this program she's talking about? This is my <laughs> nine week group coaching program that is specifically focused on executive dysfunction um, and how to disrupt the cycle that Becky and I were talking about, you know, the cycle of self loathing and not getting stuff done. And then you're not getting stuff done because you feel bad. And then you feel bad because you're not getting stuff done. And it just keeps cycling and cycling and cycling. (laughs) And so breaking that emotional cycle and then using practical tools to cope with executive dysfunction. So that's what the neurodivergent magic program is. And Becky was a founding member, um, of the very first, uh, session of it. And yeah, I would just love to hear your thoughts about what the program was like. So let me just say, this was so eye-opening. It was so, I mean, the fact that there was eight of us in there, we were all, we all became very good friends and we're not alone. We're not, you're not dealing with this on your own. It was, I mean, all of those tools and those beautiful things. And then you heard everybody's experiences and it was like, oh, oh, okay. She does that too. That's amazing. And I mean, I, my favorite thing was learning about June bugging. And that is the thing that I do. I do it every single day. I, I I need to make my bed today. Okay. So right now just put the sheets on. Don't worry about anything else. Just get those sheets on just the one thing at a time. And I love that. And the, you know, the Pomodoro where we're setting the timer for 25 minutes, it gets me going and I'll just keep working. I won't even take those five minute breaks. Once I get initiated into the task, I just keep going, but it's trying to get to that point. So the tools that we learned in the neurodivergent magic, they get you there. They get you there. And it, and it breaks that cycle of feeling bad. Like, you know what? You can't clean your whole dang house in a day. That's impossible. But you know what you did? You cleaned out that, that sink. You cleaned all the dishes out of that sink. Good job. Good for you. Good job. And it's, and it's 
treating yourself afterwards. We talked about that. Giving ourselves a treat after we've done a task. Like, you know, giving myself five minutes to go look on Pinterest. Then again, Pomodoro, because you don't want to spend all day on Pinterest, you set that five minute break and then you get back to the next thing you need to go to do. So, I mean, it just, and the EF, EFT tapping and all, all that stuff that we learned, it just, oh goodness, my life is so much better. Like literally so much better after taking this course. And I'm not even exaggerating. So much better. The way I talk to my children, it's like, you know, I, I was back in that cycle and then I was acting like my parents did with me because that's how I was trained to be a parent. And after, uh, you know, talking with the other ladies and gentlemen in the, um, in the course, it was like, why are you doing that? Why, why are you still doing these things? Like, this is how you feel. Why are you treating your kids this way? It was, it was so emotionally like, oh, draining sometimes. Because we were bringing up all of those things from our past, all of those hurts, all of those things, but talking, talking about them. I mean, it's who you are. This is your base. This is who you are. And then we take who we are and we become better. And I love that. And then the courses that you gave us after, after we were done with this, I mean, they're just brilliant. They're just absolutely brilliant. I'm learning so much. I'm just like, oh yeah. And, and I, I go back and I listen to our sessions. It's so nice that you have everything recorded. I'll go back and I listen to the sessions if I'm struggling again, because you know, it's not gonna be like all the time now, my life's magic. That's not how it works. <laughs> we, we go through our ups and downs. And like, if I've forgotten something, I will go back and I'll listen again and go, oh yeah, that's right. That's what that's called. Or that's what I need to do. Or when I go see my therapist, I'm like, okay. So we talked about this certain thing I'll go in, I'll re-listen to it. And then I take it to the therapist and it's like, okay, how can we implement this in my therapy? So again, making accommodations for ourselves in every aspect. I do it with my doctors now. Cause we talked a lot about that is, you know, getting um, the correct prescriptions, getting the, um, the correct diagnosis for things. And, you know, and, and mainly like, one of the number one things I would say, even as an adult, is if you are able to go see a psychiatrist, get diagnosed. Because there's so many things that you can do once you have that diagnosis. There's so many things you can ask for once you have that diagnosis. Because it is actually against the law to not get accommodations if you ask for them. It's against the law. If you ask for an accommodation, they have to accommodate you. Because it, there is a law that says they have to. So, I mean, your listeners need to know that there is a law <laughs> because yeah. I mean, you're, you're considered disabled. It's a disability thing. So if they're not accommodating you for your disability, that's against the law. Right. right. And, and that is a big part of what we work on in the neurodivergent magic mm -hmm. is, is accepting like we said before, accepting limitations, accepting that this is a disability, accepting that, you know, this is not all rainbows and sunshine. I, I want you to accept your brain for how it works because it's never going to change. And you mm -hmm. are wonderful exactly the way that you are. And at the same time, it can be really hard sometimes. And we really focus on, you know, talking about both of those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and the unmasking, that was like such a huge thing was like being yourself. You don't need to try to be this neurotypical person. You are not that person unmasked. I love that so much. I mean, that was like the first 
few sessions that we did was that unmasking and it was so painful. That was so painful. But once we're unmasked, it felt so much better. Yeah. Like I have talked to everybody about it. <laughs> I talk to everybody <laughs> about it all the time. I'm so I'm sure my friends are like, oh no, here she goes again. Um, it's just I, I I feel freed. I feel freed. Those those handcuffs have come off. And and it's because of that the magic program. It's it's just the unmasking is basically taking those chain those handcuffs off. You're getting unchained from this idea of what you're supposed to be and you become the person you're supposed to be. And it's, it's, it's magical. It is. It's absolutely magical. I am so, so touched and I'm so glad that it has helped you so much and that it like was such a positive experience. It was an amazing experience from my end as well. Everybody, like you said, everybody got so close and was such good friends. And the community aspect was so much more powerful than I anticipated. And, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was magical on my end too, just to see all the work that everybody put in, everybody put in and how much people really cared about the program. And yeah. So thank you so much for sharing both your experiences with accommodations and your experience with the neurodivergent magic program. Thank you so much. It was oh, no so great to chat with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.